All righty. Well, good morning. How's everybody? Good. Man, I'm excited. It's good to be together. Um, excited to be here this morning. Um, just to share quickly, you know, I love what we do with Neighbors and Nations, whether it's with the coffee shop and giving to eight different places, or when we have opportunity um, to go out to some of the, the churches and, and people who we're connected with. And Greg and Michelle are in Dothan, Alabama. I like saying Dothan, Alabama. I don't know what it is, but I like saying that. But they're down there this weekend, and so send their love, but uh, they'll be back next weekend. And then just because a good friend of mine, uh, there is a ministry out in Sacramento that we do a lot with called the Core Youth Movement, and Brandon Miller from California is with us today, so good to have you, Brandon. So it's just, I love what the Lord's doing through Neighbors and Nations. Well, before I get into uh, my message today, I just want to talk, since since we're talking about they devoted themselves, um, I actually want to read a passage to you in light of speaking about generosity this morning. And it's coming out of Acts 4, 32. And it says, um, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money to the sa- from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And I love that picture because it just shows that wrapped around the early church was this air of generosity within them uh, helping one another. And to be honest with you, as, as on, being on staff here at Northlands, I have the privilege of seeing generosity come from this church. And the first thing I wanna say, honestly, to Northland Church is thank you so much for being a place who's generous. And I really mean that because what you don't get to see that I have the privilege of seeing week after week and honestly during the season all the time is somebody who stops by and says, hey, the Lord really put on my heart so-and-so and I felt like the Lord said, "Could I wanna give this amount of money. Could you see if it gets to them? or they call me on the phone or send me an email. And we've had the privilege as a church to help out people during this COVID season who, who've uh, lost jobs or whatever, whether it's through the food, tra- food pantry or giving out money. But it's been amazing to see on top and above that, how many of you have said, please give this to this person. I heard this testimony. I wanna contribute to this. And it's just a sign like in the early church, we have this air of generosity around us and it's fun, it fills with joy, and honestly, (laughs) there's times when I get to physically deliver it to the people, and if I could videotape so that you could see their their face because they realized the Lord orchestrated something without them knowing that fulfills a need, it's a a huge privilege I I get to have, honestly, and and the staff does as well. So hats off to that, and I wanna encourage us um, to continue in that place of generosity. it's a blast, it brings joy, people's lives are being transformed as a result of that, so thank you so much. Um, if you wanna give, most of you give online, which is great, you can do that. I think here, you can give online, you can text right now as you will, and then we also have two tables set up, one in the back there, and one over here where you can drop an offering in. There's an envelope if you'd like, but you can put those in there as well. Sound good? All righty. So today I'm going to be talking about they devoted themselves to fellowship. It's a, 
a great topic that I love to talk about. So we're just going to jump into it. It's a series we in, we're in about being devoted. And I want to start by reading the main passage, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And this is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who has need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So one of the beauties about this is this is actually a result of their lives being transformed by the power of Jesus. See, this isn't Paul instructing them, hey, by the way, do these things. This is the result of a community that came together because of the transformation of Jesus in their life, and this is what they got to experience. They got to be filled with awe. They were together and had everything in common. Sorry, give me one second. They had continued meetings together. Every day they ate together, glad and sincere hearts, enjoying the favor of all the people, and they got to see salvation happen over and over again through these gatherings and through this fellowship. And so today I want to focus on that aspect of fellowship because you got to know we were created for community, amen? amen? We were created to be together. We were created to be in fellowship with one another. And I'm not saying it's, it's not just this, it goes beyond. This is great, and I love being together. It's so good to be back and to worship together. But it's even outside of this that, like the early church, they devoted themselves, they experienced stuff together, and that's what I want to talk about. But we were created to be together, to be in fellowship. It's a need that we have to belong to something. There's a, a, a show that Tyler turned me on to recently called Alone. Anybody seen Alone? Yeah, I'm alone on this one. Oh, a couple people, there we go. But it's this show, I think it's been airing for a long time, I haven't seen all the seasons, but basically they take 10 people and they drop them off in some remote area in um, the Arctic or in the mountains or whatever, they're allowed to bring 10 items with them and that's it, and the person who survives the longest gets half a million dollars. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. And so the, the one that I got to watch um, they were out there for 76 days, and finally the guy won, and, you know, it was great, and it's crazy. So they show, there's no one with them, but so they have a GoPro camera, and they set up a camera on the tripod, and they film this whole thing that's going on, and then they, you know, get it all back, and they promote it. They do go out and check them medically, and sometimes people get pulled medically for reasons. But the amazing thing to me is one of the things that is a, across all of them a complaint that they have, or even sometimes get them what I call tap out. They, they have a radio, and so they get on and they say, hey, I'm officially tapping out. Please come and get me right now. And it's for various reasons. But the one that rings true is they, in their talking through in the camera, they always talk about, man, I miss my family. I miss my kids. I miss my wife. I miss the community, because you're all alone. You can't, you're not near any of the other 10. You're totally solo, you're alone. And some people, quite a bit of them, 
get the radio and go, what am I doing out here? I want to be with my family. And they tap out, not because anything physically is happening or they're not able to find food or water or they're not able to make a shelter because they look like they're going to win. They just get to a place where enough is enough. I can't be alone anymore. And they call in and they say, come get me. So when this ends, this is so cool. When this ends and whoever it is lasts the most, they don't, you know, you don't know, excuse me, you don't know how many people are left. So you're on day 76, there could be everyone or there could be one more. They never tell them, oh, someone left or anything like that. But when you win, they show up and it looks like just a normal medical exam except one of their fellowship, if I could use that, one of their family members, their wife, or their wife and kids, comes from around the corner as they're filming. And they are literally broke. Not so much because they won, though they realize that, but they've been 76 days, or however long it was, away from those that they love. See, we're created to be in fellowship together. We're created to need other people in our lives and to give to other people who are in our lives. It's just a part of who we are. And all through scripture, you're going to find this. Excuse me. So I want to come at this from sharing a story from you. At some point, we all gave our life to Jesus and decided to follow him. In the midst of that, I don't know about you guys, but I specifically remember the first time I was introduced to fellowship. Anybody with me? Fellowship, there was that moment where I didn't know fellowship and then I came to know fellowship. So I want to focus on the fellowship but give you a little background. I was involved in, a, in, in going to a church as a kid. You know, we went Sunday and the place that we went to was very religious. And, but one of the things that happened is I grew up in the 80s. Where's my 80s peeps? Come on, let's go all four of us. No, I'm just kidding. I grew up in the 80s, and so something happened. My hair just grew really long. I played in a rock band, you know, all that stuff. And, but when I went into the church, it started where they would say, oh, those seats are taken, let me sit you. And they'd move me farther, farther back until finally I was in the back with all the babies, and you couldn't hear anything. And it was because of my appearance. It was because I was not you know, a little rebel and those kind of things. So finally, I just started being at church in the parking lot, sitting in my car. Because it's awkward when you came in and they go, yeah, you can't sit there, you need to sit back there. So this is my experience. And so that's all I had known. So I thought this is all it must be. And then I was introduced, and I've told this this story before, but Michelle goes away to a church camp and she gives her life to Jesus. I'm still Mr. Rocker Joe and She's like, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm kind of like, well, shouldn't you have asked me first? Those kind of things. And so she invites me to come to the church where the fellowship is gathering. It's a youth ministry. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, I see a radical change in her. So maybe I should go. You know, maybe it's a weird place that I need to save her from, you know. See, at that point in my life, my favorite shirt was a black tank top, solid black, that had the letters M-E in bright pink. said me. And it really, I really felt like everything, it was all about me. Why would it be about somebody else, right? So we go to this fellowship, and right away I can tell something is going on that's different. Right away as I walk in the doors, I realize this isn't what I've known. It feels different. It looks different. People are smiling. Actually, people seem like they're happy to see me. 
And I, I started to take note of it. But when I first got introduced to fellowship, I, I was blown away that something like this was happening. So I was accepted. I expected to get some digs and things said about me because I had long hair. No one said anything. People welcomed me. They loved me. They remembered my name. They went out of their way, and I began to see things that I had never seen in a scenario like that. Like I was immediately accepted. I was loved regardless of who I was and probably the things I said. I was introduced to Jesus who loved me unconditionally and I was welcomed a sinner who was embarrassed, who became embarrassed of the things that I did in the past. See, fellowship is where acceptance, unconditional love and standing with one another becomes a place where we share our lives together. And when I was in this moment, I didn't know Jesus personally. I knew about him. I always felt like he was looking at me like, man, just a French fry short of a Happy Meal, Tom. That's all. But I could never gain that full Happy Meal status, you know? It's always falling short. And then I met these people who loved me. I remember the first time going to the big church, you know, I was coming in, and the pastor there made a point to come and talk to me, and he's in a really nice suit, and I'm like, oh, this is not gonna go well. And he was super nice, invited me to a lunch gathering, invited me, so I started going to people's homes, and I started watching how they interacted together. And I was like, this may be actually real. This, this may be genuine, the way they love each other, the way they stood in prayer. And slowly but surely, I, I brought into this place, I began to trust. We stood for things in prayer, and I watched answers come. They stood with me, we talked. I didn't have the best mouth or language that I used. It didn't bother them. They loved me anyway. I didn't have to cut my hair. I didn't have to get rid of my parachute pants. <laughs> I didn't have to, you know, do all of these things. It was, this is who Tom is, and I'm gonna, hold, I'm gonna accept him with everything that he has. And through that experience and, the, and those people's lives, I thought, how can I deny something like this? There was a, a gentleman who was the youth pastor who would just, he'd visit me at work and show up at my house and I was like, what is this guy doing? Just smothering me with love. Because when I finally got to see fellowship, man, I was hooked, guys. When I had struggles, I could actually stand with people and they'd pray and then they'd say, hey, how did that go? And well, then let's pray again. Let's bust through this. You know, God is faithful and it began to change everything and thus my transformation into becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is huge and we were created for this fellowship. So I wanna break this up into a couple things. Oh, before I do, 1 Thessalonians 2, seven through eight says this. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And that's what I experienced. It wasn't just, hey, we gotta get Tom saved. It wasn't just, hey, you need to listen to this stuff. Actually, they shared their lives with me. They invited me into their homes. I got to eat with families and have lunch and all this stuff and I could tell there was a difference. And then as they shared the gospel, it gave power because I saw it in their lives. I saw them doing this together. 
So I wanna talk of just three things this morning about fellowship and the power of fellowship. The first thing is, what does fellowship bring? What does fellowship bring? See, fellowship, honestly, is a place that fosters transformation. It's a place where people can experience transformation. And a couple things that were huge for me is one, it, it helped me realign my thinking. It helped me see that it wasn't all about me and there was more to life and it wasn't all about my situation and circumstance. There was more that Jesus wanted to show me. He realigned my thinking and even to this day, he continues to realign my thinking and it happens in fellowship. I love sitting with people and we could be talking about a subject or going through something and what is your experience and someone will say something or share a passage or make a statement that, that the Holy Spirit uses and then I start on a path. This happened to anybody else? Right, this is part of fellowship. Inspires me to go, wow, I never looked at it that way. And it encourages me to look deeper and then allow my mind to be transformed right, through scripture, transformed through what the Holy Spirit is saying. And it started way back then, and it continues today. That's why fellowship is so powerful. We get to have our thinking relying. The other thing is it changes the way you see visually. You know, we, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when you, you realize the way you're viewing something, you go, yeah, that's, that's kind of messed up. So I quickly stopped wearing the me shirt to our gatherings. Not because anybody said, hey, you shouldn't wear that. I just began to realize, hey, this isn't about me. This is about something greater. And personally, in the way I saw things, began to change, right? My, my, my vision began to change, and I got to see people the way God see people. And I began to develop a compassion for other people, and ultimately, a goal in life for me is to allow people to experience what I've experienced in their own way. Isn't that for all of us? Jesus transformed my life. I have all these stories through my life brought up till I live right now and I continue to have a whole bunch more that I believe is gonna happen and I want as many people as I can to experience that same Jesus, to experience that same breakthrough, to experience that same transformation that I got to because it's phenomenal and it's fun and it's great. Another thing that fellowship brings is it provides a place where we can truly love one another. Where we can stand with each other. Where we can pray for each other. We can help people through difficult times and they can help us through difficult times. See, sometimes one of the things that kills fellowship is we begin to draw lines. We start to say, yeah, I'll fellowship, but not with anybody like this. You know, I'll fellowship with people and not anybody born in the 80s. Say like that rock music. No. I'll fellowship but not a guy with long hair. I'll fellowship but not, and we start to draw these lines. And you know what happens if we're not too careful? You draw so many lines that the only other two people available in your life is me, myself, and I. Me, myself, I. That's it. Because I've drawn so many lines that there's nobody that can fit into the fellowship circle that I'm trying to create. We need to undo some of those lines. We need, we, need to, we need to get rid of, I'll hang out with everyone except they believe this politically. They're, ah, or this politically. Or this way of thinking. Or these people, that, you know, we start drawing all these lines. You know, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't draw lines. 
I'm so glad that as Jesus walked through the street, he goes, no, I'm not tax collectors. Mm-mm-mm. Not fishermen. Stinky as all get out. Not, a, not in my tent. Not in, you know? He, he didn't draw lines. It, as a matter of fact, he snapped the lines that society drew in front of him. And he looked at it and he said, yeah, not this one. Bah! And then he walked up to him. It's not only about stop drawing lines, but it's break the ones that have been put in front of you and open up fellowship. See, part of the reason that led me is because people who were very different than I was, they had different upbringing, they looked different, all of those things, they didn't put those barriers or lines. So when I came in, it was easy for them to welcome me in. Don't change this, dude. It wasn't about any of that. It was, hey, what's your name? Long-haired guy sitting in the back. Hey, Tom, it's nice to meet you. How'd you hear about our church? What are you doing this evening? We're bringing some of the other youth together. We're going to have some food and a swim party. You want to come? I'm thinking, you want me to come to your house? I don't know if this is going to go well. Don't allow those lines to be set up. And if you find them, just snap them. In John 13, verse 35, it says this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By what? By this, that you love one another. It's the most amazing thing. Love is so easy to show when we don't have a bunch of lines drawn around us. It's free. You just just give it. And if you're not sure how to do it, ask the Holy Spirit who will guide you accordingly to love others even as Jesus has loved you. It's the beauty of fellowship that we love one another. Secondly, what does fellowship release? So we talked about what fellowship brings, but let's talk just a moment about what does fellowship release. This is what I honestly think it does. It releases evangelism. It releases evangelism. How do I know that? Because it happened to me. It was open for anybody who wanted to come, a gathering at a home, a swim party, something in the mountains. You know how many backpacking trips I went on with youth? How many think I love backpacking? Put your hand down. (laughs) Hiking out in the middle of nowhere, eating powdered food, golden trait wilderness, get up to the top, it snows three feet and all you got is shorts? Are you kidding me? It's not my idea of fun. I went on so many backpacking trips. You want to know why I went? Blisters on the back of my heels. Didn't know what I was doing. Couldn't start a fire. You know why I went? Because the other people who were going. Part of my fellowship. Tom, you should come. I'm like, where? We're going backpacking. Nope. And I was athletic and all that. I just, it didn't sound fun. You can go fishing, maybe. But seven miles in one day? I'm just like, I don't know if I want to do this. And hey, we're going again. Oh, sign me up. Did I just say that? <laughs> there's, there's evangelism. And every time we went backpacking, every time we did stuff like this, there was always people who came along that didn't fit because they didn't know Jesus. And most of them ended up giving their life to Jesus because of the love that we had one for another. See, fellowship releases, it's powerful, it releases evangelism. You know what else it releases? Is prayer. Oh, sorry. Acts 2.47 says this. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, right? Evangelism. Secondly, prayer. Acts 4, 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, fellowship, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And it says at the end that when they were done, the place where they were was shaken, physically shaken. See, there's power in fellowship in the place of prayer. I would love when we had Bible studies and gatherings and small groups and whenever, I couldn't wait to get back to hear what happened in so-and-so's life that we stood and prayed for. Prayer is a powerful thing. The, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who's righteous? Everyone better put your hand up because we're righteous in Christ, right? So your prayers are powerful. And in a place of fellowship, that's what we need. It's one of the things that helped teach me you know, I don't have to come to the fellowship, but I come to the fellowship so they can lead me to Jesus so we can pray together because he's the answer, right? It wasn't the people there, but we stood together and prayed and we got to see amazing things happen. I can tell you story after story after story of things where I said, hey guys, can we stand together on this? Can we believe together on this? Trying difficult times. But I also remember times of standing there with other people and seeing amazing things happen as an amount of the, the power of prayer. I remember one guy who, um, great guy, he, you know, he got in a, a really bad accident and he was blind in one eye and they said he'd never walk again and out of his other eye he could literally only see like a little tiny part so he'd move his head around like this until he found you. And me being the guy I was, as soon as he'd find me, I'd move. And he'd look again and I'd move. And he'd go, if I could get up, I'd punch you in the face, Tom. He was a big boy. His name is Michael Treat. Big. He was like six foot 40. But he's confined to a wheelchair. We, and I got to meet with him each week. We talk, he loved meatball subs, and I'd always bring him a meatball sub. Hey, did you bring my meatball sub? I said, yeah, but I ate half on the way. You better not. So I'm just kidding. And as we talked, and he asked for prayer, and he talked about the things, confined to a wheelchair, wanted to walk one day. I was there when he got up out of that wheelchair. Come on. And he walked in front of like a thousand people, cheering and praising God. It's amazing. There's power in prayer and in that place of fellowship. The other thing is in unity, belonging. We all want to belong to something, right? We want to belong to something. There's power in unity. Acts 3.34, sorry, 4.34 says this, and there were no needy persons among them for a time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and distributed to anyone as they had need. There's got to be unity for people to do that. There's got to be this coming together regardless. And it was one of, all three of these are things that stuck out to me when I first encountered fellowship. I was brought into a bunch of people who had known each other way longer, who had been together for a long time, and I felt like I had been with them the whole time. And if needs arose, they helped. We prayed. We stood together. Because see, fellowship 
is one of those places where, you know, Scripture says you mourn with those who mourn, you rejoice with those who rejoice, right? You fight with those that need to fight. You rest when we need to. I mean, it's all of the emotions and even more. Sometimes it's just brutal. And sometimes it's beautiful. But it's what makes fellowship, fellowship. I don't need people who are just going to be around there when times are good. Right? I need people to stick with me when times are tough. That's fellowship. And then lastly, and I kind of want to close with this, is why is fellowship so important? Why is this fellowship that we're talking about, why is it so important? Why is it important for us to live our lives together? Why is it so important? Look, it's modeled throughout everything, Adam and Eve in the garden with, with God. And you go, I mean, story after story after story, you get to the disciples and you get to Jesus and their fellowship together and they went through it all together and they hung out together, they lived their lives together and then even afterwards with the apostles and the disciples and it's just the way of life and we're created for that and we need it. So why is fellowship so important? Look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, in Hebrews, in the midst of this, it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But smashed in between, spur one another on towards good, toward love and good deeds and encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching is don't give up meeting together. I have found that fellowship provides an opportunity for massive amounts of encouragement and spurring one another on. When I look back in times of my life where I thought, that's it. I'm not getting up from this one. Any ever, anybody ever been there? You're just thinking, there's a time in my life when I thought, that's it. I'm done with ministry. It's over. I'm living in Texas, so what do Texans do? We're going to raise cattle. Seriously. Michelle and I actually went and started looking at farms. Isn't that crazy to think of? You've looked at other things, not, maybe not farms or raising cattle, but you've been at that place where you're like, yeah, that's it. But you know what's frustrating to me about looking at stuff like that? Cows can't replace people. And darn it all, I really love people. So I knew... If I was trying to hang out with cows, it wasn't going to last long. And I'd probably have this huge cattle debt or something like that, that God would have to take care of, right? Are you with me? But smashed in between, don't give up meeting together, is because we have the opportunity to spur one another on. It, it fosters that place of, come on, you got this. It fosters that place of, you, you know what, I'm going to encourage you. You know, one of my most recent lowest of lows was when I was moving from Texas to Georgia, and I had never met Greg, and I called him on the phone. Actually, Jenny Grout answered the phone, I think. And uh, I called and I said, hey, I was wondering if I could talk to Greg, and she said, yeah, hold on. And then she got back on, she said, could I ask who's this calling? And I said, yeah, my name's this. I, and I told her, and so she got back. She said, hey, could you hold on a second? And I'm like, okay, she's gonna take a message, and he's, you know, and then Greg goes, hello, Greg Haswell. And I was like, Oh, Greg. He's like, yeah. 
I was like, I'm sorry, I thought I would have to leave a message for you or something. And he goes, well, you can call back if you want and I'll have him take a message <laughs> in typical Greg fashion. First time I ever talked to Greg. We had a little conversation. Two weeks later, I flew down here to meet him. And during that two weeks, I was looking for cattle farming places. I met Greg and a fellowship began to happen. That, and I tell Greg this all the time, that literally saved me from all the hard work of cattle raising and all that stuff so that I could stay in ministry. And the prophetic words that Greg and Michelle gave me that I brought home to my wife, Michelle, and said, this is what the Lord's saying. Had we not got those, I would have been floored because I thought it was bad then. Wait till I got back, it got even worse, personally. And I was, I was warned through prophetic encouragement, hey, this is coming, but you have to know that the Lord has you on this path. Yes. If I thought I was, oh, that's it. When I got back, I would have said, now it's really it. I'm moving to the mountains. Little shack somewhere, all by myself. Right? So why is fellowship so important? Because you need it. Fact, you need it. You need to be with other people that you could stand with, that you could weep with, that you could cry with, that you could rejoice with. And if you don't have it, you need to find it. You know why else fellowship is important? Because there's another Tom Borsett coming along the line. And he needs to see, or she needs to see that fellowship that you have so they can understand the unconditional love of Jesus Christ and make an exception to follow him. That's why, plain and simple. Because other people, the Lord's bringing here and bringing to your fellowship and to your gatherings, whatever it may be, and they need someone to show them that there's something different, that there's something better, that Jesus does love them unconditionally. Those two things, huge in the place of fellowship. And, and you're the one that has the ability to create that atmosphere where they can be a part of. So let me leave you with this this morning. If you are not a part of a fellowship, a small group, a gathering, start one, find one, start pulling people together and get into fellowship. If you are already in fellowship and you go, geez, Tom, you're ringing my bell, that's what I experience, then open so that other people can experience what you experience. Because I believe that's the way Jesus would have it. Find fellowship. Open the door to fellowship. Continue in fellowship. You know, one of the things we get to do is this, the week after we preach, we get to do devotionals every day. And if you haven't been doing them, <clears throat> I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that. Because what I'm going to be doing this week is looking at how do we, so how do you do fellowship in a time like this? How, how do you do fellowship in COVID realities? How do you do fellowship when some people don't want to connect? How do you, that's what we're going to go over this week because regardless of what happened, the church, the church didn't have COVID, but they had persecution. It's not like they went out in the street and said, hey guys, come to my house for dinner. We're going to talk about Jesus, right? There were times when they couldn't say that. There were times when they had, they had real difficulties. They didn't live in big, huge houses that had a refrigerator. People had to travel Hey, want to come over to my house? Uh, it's probably going to take a day and a half, but sure. Let's learn to overcome these things that are standing because I'm telling you, through this right now, the church, we need to fellowship with one another. And we need to open the doors so other people can fellowship. I think that's one of the things that God wants to do in this season. Break the lines, bust through the barriers, and let's fellowship together. Amen?
Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for the gift of fellowship that you've given. How beautiful it is that we get to fellowship with you, that we get to talk with you, that, that we get direction from you. You guide us to scripture. You, you bring truth to us. You give us prophetic words. Your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and fills us with power. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that we have to fellowship with one another. God, you created us to need one another, both to receive and to give. And so, Father, during this time, when it may seem so difficult, let this be the time when we bust through the barriers and fellowship with one another. God, give us creativity. Give us the ability to experience your love and kindness through other people and help us to find that fellowship. You know, as we're praying this morning, if, if you're here this morning and maybe this is something you're like, gosh, this is amazing. Maybe you're in a place like I was where I, I, I really didn't know who Jesus was. If this morning you, you would love to give your heart to Jesus, I, I, would, I would love for you to do that because it'll never be the same. I want you to experience the transforming power that I did. I want you to experience the fellowship of the believers like I did. It's amazing. Everything will change. So whether you're here in this auditorium or you're watching from home, if that's you, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me really quick. Lord, thank you so much for showing me your love this morning. And I ask, Lord, that through everything I'm facing and all of the stuff that's before me, that you would come into my life. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Would you take residence in me and would you transform me? Lord, I thank you for those that have prayed that. And even one more thing, if there's anyone in this room or watching at home that's in need of fellowship, Lord, would you, would you open a door wide for fellowship? so that people can experience what you intended them to experience. Lord, we thank you, and I pray blessing on everyone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Tom. I, I don't know about the rest of you all. Um, I, I'm pretty certain I've had less fellowship this year since March than I'm used to having in that amount of time, and I need it. That need is real, and um, uh, thank you that you're going to be giving us some practical ideas about how to push forward on that. We're looking forward to seeing those. Uh, if you are a business person, an entrepreneur, uh, we uh, regularly have prayer on a Friday morning in this coming Friday, October 30th at 7 a.m. You do not have to commute anywhere. You can click on Zoom and join the prayer t uh, time uh, from wherever you happen to be, uh, but we'd invite you to pray because it is so good to be able to pray together with other business people in the midst of the struggles and in the midst of, of how God is moving uh, to be able to have that team. So we just invite you to be a part of that. Uh, if you're meeting uh, with us this morning for the first time, uh, you're new and you'd like to uh, learn a little bit more about who we are, we'd love to hear a little bit of your story. Uh, just out here in the lobby, we'll have some leaders uh, they're there, and we'd love to say hello and hear a little bit about how, how you came to be at Northlands and hear your story and, and begin uh, to welcome you into our church family. 
Uh, church, many of you know this, but if, if you're new with us or if you're watching for a first time on, on, online, uh, you may not know that every week we have a ministry team that gets together before the service and they pray and they seek God and they listen. And, and those things that they hear, they write them down. Uh, we call those words of knowledge. And those words are, we believe, things that God wants to work on, things that he wants to provide solutions or answers. And so in a moment, on the screen or on your screen at home, you're going to see a list of words. And I just want to invite you, if there's something there that catches your heart, tugs at you, reminds you of a need in your life, uh, we genuinely believe God is already in the process of working, and he would love to work further, and we would invite you to come and just let us pray with you. If you're here in the room, uh, come on up, wait in line. Uh, the ministry team will be up here, and they'll be glad to pray with you. Uh, if you're online, you'll see on the screen there a link to fill out a form so that somebody can connect with you and can pray over the phone, because we know that God is at work and we are glad to be partnering with you and each other in seeing those things happen. Church, it's been good to gather together, to worship, to celebrate, and to be reminded of our great need for fellowship with each other. I look forward to seeing you next week. See you later.